Hello and welcome to the Popcorn Junkies. For a nanosecond there, I forgot what the fuck I was about to say. Excuse me for swearing. Um, welcome to a review of Triangle of Sadness. This is a film by Ruben Ostlund, the Swedish director who also made Force Majeure and The Square. He's won the Palm Door for this, Triangle of Sadness, but he's also won the Palm Door for The Square and his first film, or his film before that, Force Majeure, was a major uh, sort of critical success. And this film is uh, a send-up, if you like, or an attack on, or a satirical critique of, and punishment of, the uber-rich. So what is Triangle of Sadness? Well, Triangle of Sadness really starts... It's a film told in three quite distinct chapters. Uh, the first chapter focuses on Yaya, or Yaya, and Carl. Yaya, played by the late, tragically the late, Charlby, or Charlby, Dean Creek. I believe she's a South African actress. She tragically died uh, only a few months ago. I can't remember. Was some complications? Was it a lung, a lung issue or something? Um, I'm going to tell you right now. She, for me, was one of the standout performances in this film. So we definitely have lost a future talent, a future star. She was incredibly layered and and, and for me, one of, the, one of the best performers in this film. It also stars Harris Dickinson uh, and Woody Harrelson is in there as the uh, Marxist, pseudo-Marxist alcoholic skipper of a 250 million dollar yacht that's a quarter of a billion um so what is this about well it starts as a film i feel as a sort of critique if you like of the fashion world and it really does send up the fashion world you have this vlogger who's interviewing it's in the trailer interviewing all these models uh, he says to them what give us the face of h&m they're all cheery give us the face of balenciaga and they're all kind of moody um and it's a you know competitive dog eat dog horrible world where people are judged on their looks and their capacity to walk or not so a brilliant sort of scene of an audition for harris dickinson trying to uh you know be be cast essentially for a catwalk show it's kind of said and it's kind of indicated that Harris Dixon's character, Carl, has had his moment. And don't forget, for models, they kind of, uh, they've had their moment and they burn out and their career is over at a very young age. So he's had his, he's hit his pinnacle. And so his girlfriend or his romantic interest, Yaya, um, she is on the ascendant, in a sense, if you like. And she's got more money than him. And this is a film about money. This is a film about wealth. This is a film about the haves and the have-nots. Um, you know, watching that really pulp crack pipe-like series below deck, which we all watch avidly in this household, where the uber-rich do come on board yachts and we watch the soap opera of the crew of, of each yacht trying to pull together their service and trying to work for the best tip and all that kind of stuff. This... This is almost a sort of, it's almost, this is almost like that writ large, except you don't spend as much time with the crew. You see a lot more of the uber rich. And so, so the first hour, or the, the first 45 minutes, is all about these two young models' relationship. And I'm going to be really honest, I wasn't convinced by the opening scene. There was a scene where a, a bill was put on the table, Carl and Yaya were sat in a restaurant, and, a, and an argument develops between them about whether she was going to reach and pay for it, or why he had to pay for it when he had less money. And so there was this kind of argument, and I ha you know, you, once you've seen the whole film, you look back on this part of the film, and you think, clearly there's a commentary that even within these two, two influences, if you like, two models, that who has more money than who is a huge aspect of how they take each other for granted or not. Is she just assuming that he, because he's a man, should pay? Uh, is is he, should he expect her as a woman to pay or not? So, and I felt they were, I felt the director was trying to draw parallels, but I have to say, I thought that was, I didn't think the opening of the film was particularly well written. It wasn't particularly original. And I didn't think it was very well executed. Now, Harris Dickinson's performance, I found curious. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of Harris Dickinson. Uh, but... I know he was trying to sort of play 
a kind of, you know, withdrawn, struggling, beginning to kind of come to terms with the fact that he's down on his luck kind of young guy, sort of reluctant to kind of, you know, uh, be sort of um, ebullient or kind of extravagant in his personality, you know, got to be too, too cool for school and all that kind of stuff. But there was something about him that wasn't gelling for me. I don't know if you found this. There was something about him that wasn't gelling for me. So I didn't entirely believe and I couldn't really entirely make sense of their relationship. Suffice it to say, we end up on a yacht and we end up on a yacht because they are both influencers and they get a hashtag gifted um, and it is a hashtag gifted a trip on this uh, luxury yacht, at which point cue and enter a whole host, a, a, a sort of menagerie of affluent horror um, in the form of all these characters who are guests on the ship. Um, I want to give a special shout out though to Zlatko Buric, or Buric, who played Dimitri, the man who's the shit seller. I mean, he says it in no uncertain terms. You know, he's, he's sort of Michael Winner-esque. He sort of sits back. He doesn't care that his stomach flops out. He doesn't care about his appearance. He's dismissive of it. I think it's his daughter to one side and his wife to the other. They're asking things of him. And he's just, he's just oozing wealth. He's super rich. He's made the most of being, you know, a shit seller. I mean, he literally sh he sells fertilizer, chicken shit and all this kind of stuff. But it's his shock tactic. I sell shit. Uh, and he tells our two models this. And so he's one character. And yet he was brilliant. He was brilliant. He, for me, he was the other star of this film alongside Charlby Dean Creek. So he was brilliant. And he was this sort of manifestation of absolute obscene wealth, you know, squelchy wealth. That's what he was. And that's how he was meant to be portrayed, squelchy wealth. The crew, meanwhile, are told by the, the you know, the sort of middle management of the, of the yacht, you've got to say yes to everything. You know, it's a bit like on B Below Deck, got to say yes to everything. You're given a distinct sense of how right down at the bottom of the ship, there are the sort of ethnic minorities, if you like, doing all of the kind of really menial jobs. The next level up, you've got the kitchen and you've got all the kitchen staff. And then, of course, you've got all the deck hands. You've got the sort of, you know, people sort of doing the linen and the bedrooms and all that kind of stuff. And we're aware that Woody Harrelson is alcoholic, drunk in his in his room, not coming out. Woody Harrelson's very funny. I mean, he's barely in it. He really is only in it for about four or five scenes. They could have probably shot all of the scenes in, in one day. And he is this sort of winking. He's got this curious sort of nervous wink uh, where he's kind of, well, he's a Marxist. He's reading Noam Chomsky and, and all this kind of stuff. He doesn't overplay his politics because he is actually the skipper of this ship. We get to meet another couple, an old couple, who talk so... What's so good about them is they talk like really old people, you know, softness and, and sort of support, and they're sort of benevolent. And you sort of think, oh, you're so cute, you're like my grandparents. But what you discover is that their trade and their business was selling weapons, specifically grenades and landmines. Um, you have, you know, so you have them, and you've got our model couple, and then you've got the, the wife of the shit seller, uh, who is herself demanding that all of the crew say yes to everything she does. So you get this distinct sense of the upper classes being able to control the staff of this ship they tell them what to do at one point every member of the entire ship everyone who works on the ship is encouraged to have a swim there's no choice here you've got to have a swim even having fun is uh, an example of ex exerting control by the uber rich on this ship now, this film has had a lot of press and a lot of attention given to the fact that in the middle of it, there is a 20 to 25 minute section where the ship hits turbulence and uh, it essentially rocks back and forth incredibly violently, making almost all of these characters vomit, 
copiously all over the place. They've eaten food that has actually incidentally gone off slightly because all of the staff have been made to do this swimming. So the food's been left and the chef says clearly at one point, well, the food will go off. And so it goes off. So you've got all of the kind of guests on this ship eating. The ship is swaying. You get a little bit seasick watching it. And what proceeds is something a little bit Monty Python-esque, but even more extreme. It's scatological. It's Vomit flies everywhere. Shit literally flies out of people's bottoms. People are swilling around liquid around toilets. It's incredibly gut churning. It's incredibly, it's the kind of thing that, you know, if I make a farty sound with my mouth at dinner and Adi goes, oh, that's disgusting. You can bet your bottom dollar she's not going to be able to tolerate this middle scene. It's extreme. You see the rich brought down a peg or two. You see them have their faces quite literally in the case of Zlatko Burek's uh, character, Dimitri. Their faces are almost literally forced into their own shit. And this is the point which is very entertaining to watch. It's incredibly enjoyable. It's incredibly indulgent, especially if you've got a sort of boyish toilet sense of humour. However, however, um, I, I tell you what I was really surprised by. I was really surprised by it in this entire film how obvious its kind of messaging was, how obvious its sending up of the affluent was. These were obvious caricatures, all of them, of rich people. In those caricatures, as a viewer, it's very hard to feel any sort of empathy or sympathy for them anyway. I mean, watch Below Deck, most of the guests that come on that. It's very, it's, it's noticeable on a show like that, a series like that, when someone comes on who's a guest who's nice. So it's not surprising that we don't like them. So when this all happens to them, you're kind of like, yeah, 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 good, good, good. But it doesn't deliver any surprises. I mean, I suppose the one, the, the one odd thing that happens whilst this chaos is ensuing on the yacht is that Dimitri, the Russian shit seller, and Woody Harrelson find themselves in his cabin talking on the uh, tannoy, reading Chomsky, talking about politics, quoting communist manifestos, Marx and what have you. It's quite a nice scene there. Now, you know, the, the politics that are threaded through this are nice. I mean, and as I was sitting there watching it, I was thinking, is this film almost an analogy? If you think of the rocking ship literally doing that, the highs and lows of where these rich characters are going was the film almost a physical or creative filmic manifestation of the highs and lows of the stock market or the highs and lows of the global economy you know when you get to the great heights the heady heights of wealth you know it takes something very simple to just kind of cut the legs from beneath it and it all comes crashing down and then we move to so we have all of this stuff all of this debris all of this shit and everything and then the final act of this film it's not a spoiler this because it's in the trailer it's clearly inferred in the trailer you then move to a lord of the flies situation where abigail who's one of the toilet cleaners or one of the sort of you know uh, menial staff members on the yacht flips round into becoming the captain on the island because she can hunt for fish and she can light fires and suddenly the uber rich are revealed for what they are they've got no skills beyond the fact that they've got an awful lot of money and then the final part of this film is essentially plays out as a Lord of the Flies in which Harris Dickinson's character is used as a bit of a sort of sexual toy thing by uh, Dolly De Leon who plays Abigail. Um, again a lot of confusing kind of developments here which didn't really ring true for me. I thought the relationship between our two models who were on this island at the end didn't develop properly. I didn't believe them. I didn't understand what their kind of relationship was about. I didn't understand whether they were close to each other or not. There's not a lot of warmth between any characters in this film. I mean, here's the most ironic aspect. Dimitri, the shit seller, there were moments in his interactions with people where he was, the, I felt, the warmest of the lot sometimes. But of course, even when he discovers the dead body wash up of his wife, whilst he's hugging her, he still takes off her diamond ring, her diamond necklace. He's sad, he's sad, but he's also protecting his assets too. Um, so all in all, this is, it, this is definitely an arresting film. 
It's definitely a fun film. It's an incredibly long film. And as I said, I've been struggling to find time to, to fit this in. I don't think it needed to be as long as it was. I don't think the first chapter needed to be as... I mean, for all of the time that we spent with the two models... Uh, on their characterization and their relationship, it was so sort of two-dimensional, actually, in the end, that I felt I didn't feel like I really got the intricacies or the depth of any relationship between the two of them. They were as shallow as everyone else on the boat. Even Woody Harrelson, for whom I was kind of getting excited about the thought that, OK, well, he's going to give us some sort of political anchoring here of some something, or there's going to be something here where he's kind of bitter and twisted and wanting to punish these rich people. They don't really even give him, give him that motivation. He just happens to be a drunk captain with a ship that loses control in turbulence. Um, so Woody Harrelson, though great, I wanted more of Woody Harrelson. I wanted more of him. Um, Dimitri, played by the Russian, the Russian shit seller, he, he, for me, he was great. Every time he was on screen, I found him eminently watchable. And as it played out as this sort of Lord of the Flies thing, and it kind of got to this conclusion, which was a curious conclusion, where they sort of they race across the island. I won't give it away completely in a Robinson Crusoe-esque sort of mission to see what's on the other side of the island. And when they discover what's on the other side of the island, um, they discover that actually, uh, well, we discover that all of the former social structures and stratas of upper class and lower class, the haves and the have-nots, they all come into sharp focus on this very moment on a beach on the opposite side of the on the opposite side of the island. And it kind of leaves it up to us to think or imagine how it ends and what's going to happen. It's very ambitious. It was very, it was very clever at times, but it wasn't clever enough for me. Um, the performances, I felt were all a bit two-dimensional and a bit cardboardy and a bit obvious. I didn't feel... I mean, you genuinely don't care for any of the rich, and given that it's populated with principally rich people, you didn't... You know, you're not going to care for them. The character of Abigail, the sort of toilet cleaner who becomes the sort of top chief kind of officer captain on the island, she, that was an interesting plot development about how she suddenly, in a, in a different social situation where all social structures have been completely destroyed, how someone who can simply catch fish, food and cook uh, essentially rises to the top of the pecking order but even she with the developments of what she does with Harris Dickinson and all that kind of stuff you even lose interest in her too because you think oh you're not very nice either so it is it really it is a film about how whenever anyone gets any power any power whatsoever with a communist socialist capitalist or whatever it corrupts it always corrupts um, and I suppose that's a message that we all know. So in a sense, the film didn't do anything, like, or didn't say anything I didn't already know. And it went for a target that was a pretty obvious target. So to that end, what would I give it out of 100? Mm, I wasn't as impressed with it as I was with Force Majeure. I'd probably give it 60 out of 100. For more film and family fun, don't forget to click the subscribe button and make sure to click the bell to never miss an update.